to the Damascus Road podcast. On the road to Damascus, Paul had a radical encounter with Jesus and his life was changed forever. That is what we hope and pray for here. Now, on to this week's episode. I'm currently very inspired by the Winter Olympics. I love sports, I love winter, and I especially love this guy, Bing Duen Duen. He was the mascot for the games this year, and he did fall over constantly. Uh, and there were so many amazing moments of victory for the athletes this year that really moved me. I love seeing how the athletes get to where they are. Uh, just the process of getting to the games is really impressive. The athletes have to overcome so much. They start training when they're children, and they have to commit to intense programs to master their skills. Because uh, without proper training, these sports are downright dangerous, and I'm impressed they can do them at all. It all makes me wonder what it's like to be in their shoes. What if I had started doing these sports when I was young? Could I be where they are now? Who knows, maybe there is another dev in another reality who did compete in the games. I've been thinking about this more recently because the multiverse theory is really popular in science fiction right now. You probably already noticed it in all the new Marvel movies, but if you haven't heard of it, the multiverse theory is the idea that running parallel to our reality are multiple other realities where events or decisions we made in our world are different there, thus spinning into another reality. How fun is it to think that maybe there's a dev out there competing in the monobob? This is a new addition uh, to bobsledding and it's only a women's sport. These sleds go around 75 miles an hour on winding tracks where any little mistake can drastically change your time. The dev in this universe is probably intense and focused and fearless. Or maybe there's a dev in the multiverse competing in the biathlon. This is cross-country skiing combined with target shooting. This version of me has very good survival skills and is either a spy or a psychopath. Or maybe there's a dev who's competing in pair skating, being thrown into death-defying tricks and looking good while doing it. This dev would be famous and popular, but at the same time, she would be totally unhinged. After watching hours of skating, I don't have much faith in these skaters' mental health. I wish I could just jump into one of these versions of myself to see what I'm capable of. If my current reality didn't hold me back, what would I even do? If my body, my finances, my education, my culture, or even of the physics of the world were different. I can't help wanting to imagine a world where my limitations were different enough that my Olympic dreams could come true. Unfortunately, as of right now, we don't have the ability to switch universes. We can't just jump around to like from one or the other to have a different life. We can only do the best to terraform the one life we do have. Bummer. Uh, I think it's easier to imagine that some other version of ourselves has figured out how to be happy and successful than to imagine that we could do something amazing ourselves. Why is it easier to dream about our hypothetical futures than our actual future? Now, speaking of science fiction, who here has read Dune? Uh, if you haven't, Dune is a science fiction novel that takes a super interesting approach to this idea of imagining a better future. On the planet of Arrakis, there is an organic compound known as the spice. It's a hallucinogen that allows the human brain to gain supercomputer abilities uh, to tell a future. And different powerful groups use the spice to make educated decisions. One of these groups is the Bene Gesserit, who are like the original Jedi. Yes, Dune is in fact older and cooler than Star Wars. 
The Bene Gesserit are spy-like, witch-like women who are able to use genetic design, neurological manipulation, and the spice to tell the future. Basically, they're able to look into the future by knowing enough about the past. They can access all the memories of their female ancestors and use that information to predict the future to a frighteningly accurate degree. In some ways, when you think about it, this is like what we do too. We're, we aren't these awesome female Jedis, but we look into our history books and the patterns of the world over time and use that information to inform our expectations about the future. And as we try to predict the future, the algorithm of a broken world continues to predict brokenness, just in slight variation. But Dune really starts to get interesting when the main character, Paul, realizes he has prophetic abilities to see into different realities that could exist in the future without the constraints of the past. He imagines a better future for the planet of Arrakis where the people won't be oppressed and the desert wasteland will become a thriving oasis. His journey to make his dream a reality doesn't just change the planet, but the entire empire. And this is the power of a prophetic imagination. In his book, Terraform, Propaganda talks about how important it is to imagine a better future outside of this reality. Because if we can't imagine a better future, we can't terraform a better future. Our culture is already imagining the future and we see it constantly in our media but it's often done quite dreadfully uh, with dystopian cultures, nuclear fallout, or even robot uprisings. But what if the future doesn't have to be this way? Instead of only seeing the worst, can we as God's children imagine a future where Earth looks like heaven? Can we imagine a future in our lifetime where our broken institutions don't hold us back, where our stories of origin don't hurt us, but instead they give us hope, where we treat the soil as sacred, where we don't see each other as enemies, but as brothers and sisters? Can we imagine an end to the pandemic? Can we imagine more than two warring political parties? Can we imagine an end to violence against women? Can we imagine racial equality or inclusivity and accessibility for the disabled? Can we imagine a better world? Sometimes I can't imagine it. And sometimes imagining these things just feels like a pipe dream that just sets us up for disappointment. And I know I'm not the only one. I think the older we get, the more settled we get into our ways, and it's a lot harder to dream. We unknowingly live in a box of our own creative limits. For example, how many uses for a paper clip can you imagine besides clipping paper? Five, 10, more? In an article found in the National Library of Medicine called A Riot of Divergent Thinking, one researcher posed a question to adults, how many uses of a paperclip can you think of? Most people were able to come up with eight to 10 uses. The genius level folks could think of 200 different uses. In the book entitled Breakpoint and Beyond, researchers posed the same question to 1,500 kindergartners. 98% scored above genius. Children are geniuses when it comes to imagination because they haven't been told anything is impossible yet. How can we embrace that childlike faith and break out of the mundane to dream of something bigger and better than our present reality? Throughout the series, we've already been breaking the mold. We've been learning how to leave behind bad stories and write a new narrative. We've started thinking about how to reconnect with the earth, how to reject the empire and build with love instead of hate. And last week, we learned how to separate ourselves from endless noise so we can connect to the creator. Now we're going to embrace the desire to imagine a better future with a biblical perspective. 
because the Bible is full of prophetic imagination that can help us think outside the box of a dreary reality. God has a reputation of leading people to do and think the impossible. This is especially present in prophetic literature where prophets were able to look into the future and see all the possibilities. Prophets had many jobs, the main one being to remind God's people of the covenant and repent from their sins. It was the prophet's role to interpret and present interpret the present and paint a picture of the possibilities that could impact the future. In other words, they could see into the hypothetical multiverse. But their message to repent was often rejected because people couldn't imagine anything different from their current reality, either negatively or positively. Prophets would warn them about potential curses or blessings, and they predicted that there would be oppression and pain because of Israel's sin. But in the moment, the Israelites only saw how much easier and immediately satisfying it was to live the way that they wanted. They rejected the prophet's message until it was too late to avoid the consequences. They also couldn't imagine a better future. They couldn't believe that God would protect them or provide for them and use them for something amazing. So they didn't see the purpose in changing their ways to align to God's commandments. Does this sound familiar? Maybe a little bit like our world right now? Just like the Israelites, if we can't imagine the consequences of our sin, we are doomed to repeat them, to stay stagnant and broken. And if we can't imagine that God will use our obedience to make a livable world full of abundant life, then obedience is just another chore that is easy to ignore instead of a structure to build our life on. The prophets would still try to explain the consequences of sin to try to help them come back to God, and they would often use the past to predict the future. The people's sins would lead to curses, and their obedience would lead to blessings. A plus B equals C, pretty straightforward. But much like Paul and Dune, prophets also had the ability to see something entirely different than they expected. What they saw would often be really weird and even shocking. Like the prophet Ezekiel, who saw so many strange things that it sometimes sounds like he was on a psychedelic trip. Ezekiel lived during the transition of the Israelites from nationhood into exile. It was a bleak time where people were facing the consequences of their sin. Things were headed downhill, and it would be hard to imagine anything different. But God was still with them in exile, and he gave them this vision. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O Sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. This vision is like watching death in a reverse. 
To get a better idea of what is going on here, let's watch a creative rendition of it. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So what does this all mean? Why is God showing this to Ezekiel? And what do dead bones have to do with us? Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Do you relate to the Israelites here? Are you weary too? What hope is gone in your life? What feels finished and dead? Is it your depression or your anxiety, your motivation for school, your job, your marriage, your singleness? What are the dry bones in the valley that you see? Therefore, prophesy to them and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Thanks for holding in there. I know that was a long passage. God is saying to them that what is lost is not lost forever. He wants to resurrect the dead and fill his people with a new spirit of love and hope. The dry bones of the valley will be alive once more. That includes our dry bones. But can this really be true? I don't know if God sees just how dead these bones are. The desert is brutal. The whole idea is completely impossible. This vision of the dead coming back to life uh, is way outside anything in our reality. In this world, dead bones don't come back to life. The sin of the world has caused death and will continue to cause more death. When something dies, it stays that way because from dust we are made and to dust we will return. Ezekiel's vision of dry bones coming alive again is both scientifically and spiritually unprecedented. Ezekiel himself couldn't have predicted this from his past because it had never happened before. Since this came from God's imagination, it seems like a totally different reality. It just isn't logical. 
but the story of humanity isn't actually logical when we think about it. The unexpected, the wild and whimsical happen way more than we admit to ourselves. Have you ever felt like a prophet? Like you can, like you could see something that people around you couldn't? Could you see the potential in an idea that others didn't believe in? Have you ever had a dream or a vision or even a feeling that didn't make sense logically, but you knew it was real? Have you too had the gut feeling that something was going to happen even though you didn't have proof? Have you ever felt a little crazy? Well, don't worry, you may just have a spark of prophetic imagination. Deep in the human unconscious is a pervasive need for a logical universe that makes sense, but the real universe is always one step beyond logic. Frank Herbert in Dune. A lot of people also thought Jesus was illogical because Jesus was fully human and fully God. He could see the future with a powerful imagination and connection to the divine. He could see beyond what was real and see the spiritual forces behind everything. And he regularly prophesied about his own death and resurrection. Even though his followers were pretty on board with his teachings, they couldn't accept this prophecy. It sounded so strange at the time that they couldn't even imagine it or even believe that he came back until they saw him for themselves. In Mark 8 uh, it says this story. Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples, then reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. A mere human perspective can't imagine resurrection. But when we have faith in the resurrection, we are opening up ourselves to God's point of view. And that openness gives us freedom from the constraints of this reality. It's strange and bold to claim that dry bones will come back to life, but we already do that. We already know that dry bones can come back to life uh, because they did it when Jesus rose from the grave. And that means our dry bones can come back to life too. Because of Jesus, we know that transformation is possible. We know that death isn't the end of our story. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Our dry bones have died with Christ and we have been given a new life. We live in the impossibility of the resurrection. Because of that, we have hope that anything is possible. Not just in the next life, but in this life that we are now living right now. In his own life, Jesus saw the potential in people outside of what was previously thought possible. When he looked at people who were dying on the inside, he imagined a life for them that was abundant. When Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he saw that a corrupt tax collector could become incredibly generous. When he saw Mary Magdalene, he saw that a possessed woman with trauma could become an apostle to the apostles and the first witness of the resurrection. When he looked at Paul, he saw that a violent bigot could repent and become a great teacher and champion of the gospel. When he sees you and me, he sees the beauty of what we are capable of. To have faith in Jesus means to know that there's so much more to us than what we can see with our eyes. Second Corinthians says that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now 
Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. To terraform a better world, we have to see past what is right in front of our eyes. And remember that there are things that are unseen. There are things possible that we never imagined. We don't have to terraform according to what this world says is possible. We don't have to listen to the rules of the past either. Even though the past has been difficult, tragic, corrupt, and every terrible word you can imagine to describe it, the future doesn't have to stay that way. The vision of dry bones coming to life was a foreshadowing of what Jesus' resurrection would look like. And that resurrection was just the first of many. When we think of the future, it is usually quite gory and depressing. Apocalyptic literature in the Bible gets a bad rap as something that can only be scary. And many people think apocalypse means the end of the world. But the actual meaning of the word is similar to the word revelation, which is to uncover something. Like when the illusions of the world are lifted and we finally see how things really are. It's true that we don't know exactly what all the prophecies about the future will look like yet. And it's true that death and tragedy will continue to exist in this reality. But we also know that the future is a continuation of God's story. And that is a story of healing and reconciliation. It looks like dry bones coming back to life. It looks strange and beautiful and more than we can comprehend. Having a basic understanding of these revelations about the future doesn't have to be scary. It can actually bring us a lot of hope and help us to grow in our faith that God is in control. This is a description of uh, the resurrection to come. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine thinking of the future optimistically? That we can actually encourage each other with words about the future? God gives us this prophecy and we can begin to live into the reality of it by embracing a godly perspective and a prophetic imagination. We embrace this by living as if transformation is really possible. Every time you work to terraform the empire into the kingdom, we are living in the resurrection. Every time we read the Bible together or serve our community together or pray for each other, we live in that hope that something really beautiful can grow out of our obedience. And every opportunity we have to talk to people about Jesus is a door into the future where they can live in that hope too. Now, this is somewhat of a vague topic and I can't tell you exactly how to have a better imagination but I have some general tips. The first is to terraform your life with God's perspective in mind. If God were to send a prophet to talk to you about your life, what would they say? Uh, what would they tell you to change? Start with what you know and use your present to help you predict the future five, 10, even 50 years ahead of time. Are you living in a way that's gonna create life or create more dead bones? Ask yourself, what do you wanna see continued into the future? 
and then make goals for yourself and take the necessary steps to keep sustaining that life. If something is working for you, stick with it. Next, ask, what is God warning you about that needs to change? If something immediately comes to mind, uh, it'd be a good start to start praying about how to change this area. And I'd recommend for you to speak with a good friend or a mentor for some outside perspective on it. Recently, my friend Karen has been a very good prophetess. We live together and she sees firsthand how my behaviors are creating life or death. She regularly reminds me to Sabbath and spend time with my friends so I don't become workaholic in the future. Maybe God has been trying to push you to change uh, similarly already. Take some time to look back at the series and see if there's anything we mentioned that you want to start terraforming. Maybe you need to change how you see your origin story or how you treat the earth, how you treat your enemies or how you spend your time. What are the dry bones you want to see alive again? Like I talked about in the first message of the series, God is transforming us from the inside out. We can't change the world without him. Dry bones come back to live with love and grace, not more expectations or judgment on ourselves. God is leading us to a better future and he is very patient along the journey. So we really don't need more pressure and more anxiety about fixing the future. We already have a ton of anxiety about the future and it doesn't help us. What we need is joy and optimism from knowing that God is in control and that he loves us. Obedience, aka living like Jesus, shouldn't feel like a pointless chore. It should feel like terraforming a better future and it should look like we're bringing dry bones back to life. Uh, this is from John Ortberg's book, The Me I Wanna Be. Jesus is the only one with authoritative wisdom about how to live. He is the only one to bring about the possibility of forgiveness for your sin and mine. He is the only one to give any kind of realistic hope of conquering death. To all who approach him, he is the thirst quencher, the life giver, the spirit bringer. No matter how wrongly you have erred in the past, if you are sincerely ready to listen and obey God, you do not have to worry about God being mad at you. He is not that kind of God. So now that you know that you can terraform, what will you do? What is a way that God could use you to make dry bones alive again? What could be invented, written, researched, or sold that can make an impact? And how can you invite others to do it with you? Maybe God has something strange up his sleeve for you that will sound really weird and risky, but could have a huge, diff uh, huge impact on the world. In your partnership with the Holy Spirit, it's likely that you can think of something that no one else has thought of before. A really cool example of imaginative terraforming that I've heard of recently is from St. Bede's Church in Santa Fe. They had an outreach budget of just $15,000, and this could have helped them to throw a lot of cool events or even do an outreach to help those in need in their community. Uh, both really good things. Uh, but they had the outrageous idea to buy medical debt. Uh, so the way this works is that, unfortunately, healthcare costs in our country can be pretty outrageous and predatory. After a hospital visit, families will often be in debt for a long time trying to pay it back. So in order to make some money, rather than waiting forever for families to pay back debt, hospitals will sell the debt to collection agencies for a fraction of the cost. However, the collection companies will continue to collect the full amount. Yeah, it's not cool at all, and I don't even know how this is legal. But anyway, with only $15,000, this church bought $1.4 million in medical debt for the people that they didn't even know, and then they forgave it. 
They helped hundreds of families get out of debt and move closer to financial freedom. And I just think that this way of using money is so cool and creative. I didn't even know a church could do something like this. But now that they have pioneered this way of helping people, more churches are starting to do it too. Even though I wish things could change on an institutional level and people wouldn't be indebted in the first place, this is still an awesome example of how using uh, imagination can terraform a better world. And I love how God has made each of us so different with different ideas and passions and capabilities. And we're so much more amazing than we think. I don't think that the enemy or the forces of the world really want us to know that. But God reminds us that our imagination and our ability to terraform is really powerful. I see it all the time. I see it in the way Leah's face lights up when she talks about research at the biosphere, or in the way Dave talks about music or design, or in the way no one plays Minecraft. They are terraforming their imagination into the world, and we get to be a part of that. The more we become who God made us to be, the more the, way, the world can look the way it does in heaven. Transformation isn't just about us. It's about God's whole redemptive plan. The book, The Me I Want to Be by John Ortberg is all about this. And I really encourage you to read it if this topic is of interest to you. He puts it this way. Your flourishing is never just about you. It is a so that kind of condition. God designed you to flourish so that you could be part of his redemptive project in ways that you otherwise could not. He wants you to flourish so that people can be encouraged Gardens can be planted, music can be written, sick people can be helped, or companies can thrive in ways they otherwise would not. When you fail to become the person God designed, all the rest of us miss out on the gift you were made to give. Our unique imaginations are a gift. You are a gift. Our ability to see beyond reality makes this reality so much better. It's so important to keep dreaming because when we grow in our imagination, the kingdom grows too. This earth is beautiful and complex, and more than anything, it is sacred. God cares for it deeply, and he cares for each of us more than we can imagine. Because he loves it, because he loves it, he imagines a better future for it. God loves us more than our past, more than our ability to change, more than anything we could ever do for him. But simply because he is good and because he loves us, he works tirelessly to terraform the world from brokenness into beauty, and he invites all of us to be a part of it. The kingdom of God is on a mission to bring the dead to life, and we need all hands on deck to make it happen. We need you. We need your ideas and the things you cry about and your messiness and your sacredness and all the things that make you unique. Um, because all of us in this universe are irreplaceable. We don't get to live all those lives in the multiverse. We only get to live this one, and this one is so special. This life is worth resurrecting, and this life is worth terraforming. Let's pray. Uh, God, thank you so much for this series and for all the things that we've learned together. Um, I thank you for these prophetic visions that paint a better future for us when we can't imagine it ourselves. Uh, and I pray for each of us to have that hope, for each of us to have that faith in ourselves that we are good, that we are capable because you have made us that way. Um, God, we put our faith in you and we put our hope in you, knowing that a better future is possible and that no matter what the future looks like, you will be in it. 
and you have a plan for it. Uh, we love you so much, God, and um, so excited to worship with you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Damascus Road podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus together by being with God, loving everyone, transforming people, developing leaders, growing new ministries, and changing the world. You can find out more about us online at damascusroadtucson.com.